ever been there in life? It kind of feels like you've done everything for God, or maybe you're getting to know God, or you're wondering why God hasn't moved in your life yet and done something. For Simon and many of you who have been with us in the series, Kyle preached on, and he did a fantastic job, by the way, on when our plans don't line up with God's, and things are different than we thought. And in this series, as we end the Chosen series this week, um, we find Peter in a place where it just feels like God has abandoned him, right? That, that he could have done something, but he didn't. And maybe I just have a question for you. And, and if we're honest, maybe this is a hard question to say yes to. But do you ever get tired of feeling like you see God work in everybody else's life and not yours? Like you, you seem to, to like see like God did their miracle and God like led them or God did something in their life. And like I, here I am and I'm still struggling and I'm still trying to follow you and I'm still trying to be faithful. I'm, I'm trying to find you for the first time. And it just seems like you're working in everybody else's life but mine. Right? Because we find Simon in this story in a season of a storm. And, and so many times the storms of life can cause us to miss what God is doing in our life and, and what he is doing around us. And it can become this moment that we lose sight of everything. I entitled today's message, When God Becomes a Ghost. I don't know, maybe you're like in that moment now. It seems like you can't see God. It seems like God is different than you thought he was. It seems like you've lost sight and you're in this moment in life that no one else knows about. And so here's a question for you. Are you fighting a battle that no one knows about? As we enter into the passage today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, and we are going to see that multiple people, and in this story we saw where Simon Peter is walking with John and He's fighting a storm. He's fighting a battle. He's dealing with something that no one else knew about, right? And when it finally comes to light about what happened, John is doing the best he can to help Peter see what is going on in life. But even where we enter the story today, we're going to see two very distinct ways in how you and I can deal with the storms in life. If you have a Bible with you, open up to Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. This piggybacks off the story that we talked about last week. If you're familiar with this, um, if you have a Bible, you can just look straight back one story. But we just got out of the feeding of the 5,000, right? Over 15,000 people probably are being fed by five loaves and two fish. And that, that is like a mountaintop experience, right? Right, like you, you just saw the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000, 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. It's impossible. But where we find ourselves immediately after this story, how many of us know that sometimes the journey from the mountaintop to the valley is pretty quick? And a lot of us, when we're on the mountaintop with God, when, we're, when we see the miracles of God, we see something incredible with God, we look at it and we go, man, I can see God so clearly. Like you're HD, I see you so well. But then we find ourselves sliding down a mountain and we find ourselves in a dark valley and we wonder where God went. 
And we really have two ways of dealing with that moment in our life. And we're going to see those contrasted in this story. We're going to see the way that Jesus deals with a storm. And we're going to see the way that we do so many times. Look at what the Bible says here. So uh, Matthew, this is one of the only times he uses this word immediately. But these stories are back to back. Right? So we find out that John the Baptist has just been beheaded. Right? This is Jesus' cousin, and it's a precursor to what's going to be happening to Jesus in the next year and a half or so. And so Jesus has this moment where he has every reason to not give what he has to kind of pull away from life, but he chooses to teach the people who are without a shepherd. And he not only feeds their souls, he feeds their bodies, right? He feeds 15,000 people. And the Bible says that immediately after this, Jesus tells the disciples to get on a boat to go to the other side of the, it's the Sea of Galilee. That's like kind of a wrong name for it. It's a lake, right? So a lot of us like sea, we think of like the Gulf of Mexico. No, it's a lake. At some points, it's only four miles wide. You can see the other side. And so Jesus sends them into a boat uh, to go to the other side. And let's pick it up right here, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. What did Jesus do when he found himself in a storm? He prayed. Jesus sought the Father. Jesus immediately, when he experienced this storm, he didn't allow the storm of his life stop him from doing exactly what he was called to do. But then when he had served and he had given and he had done all of these things, he sends the disciples away. And for a moment, Jesus goes by himself, which he so often does, to talk to God. And what a lot of us forget about is when we pray, it's not just us talking, it's God talking to us. Do you take time in your prayer life to just stop talking? Do you just listen? And so Jesus goes away to talk to God. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Um, I've been in Israel multiple times, and we talk about this story a lot. We, when we go uh, to Israel, we'll, we take people on the Sea of Galilee. We go on a boat. And we go out and we, we go to this place, actually. We look at the mountain and we know where the feeding of the 5,000 happened. So we say, imagine this, that there's the feeding of the 5,000 happened there. And you're on your way to Capernaum, which is on the other side of the lake. And so the disciples would be somewhere that we are right now. And on the boat, we preach this story. Every time we preach this story. But as I was out there last time, you know, we don't go out when the storms are bad because it's, it's terrible. But what happens is I was asking a guy about the storms and he said, yeah, the Sea of Galilee, every once in a while, we will get a storm that will capsize boats. The, the winds and the rains come down off of these mountains and it becomes almost like hurricane force all of a sudden. It is terrifying, they said. And this is the kind of storm that the disciples find themselves in. They are in a storm where the wind and the waves are coming against them. And for so many of them, it's scary. But what happens is this. It says, um, verse 25, shortly before dawn, in another version you might hear at, at the last watch, the fourth watch of the night. So let me give you the time of day this is. They're in a storm that seems insurmountable from 3 to 6 a.m. 
How many of you know that you have the fourth watch of the night in your life? How many of us wake up at 3 a.m. with the greatest worries of our life? Right? So not only is this a bad moment, it's also bad timing. Anyone ever been there in life when you get into a storm in life and you're like, this is awful and this is the worst time. So the disciples have been rowing a boat trying to get across a sea and they are already tired from feeding all these people, already tired from doing all these things. And then they find themselves in one of the greatest storms they've ever seen in the middle of the night at the worst time of day. How many of you know your problems tend to grow at 3 a.m.? This is inconvenient. This is the worst moment. And Jesus is fighting a battle internally that no one else really knows about, but so are the disciples. That's what we saw in Peter's life. They pull this out, uh, that he's going through this personal battle that no one knows about. And I'll just tell you, at 3 a.m., how many of us feel like the storms that we're facing are insurmountable? There's no way I'm going to make enough money. There's no way the doctors are going to figure this out. I don't know how I'm going to restore my marriage. I don't know how I'm going to make this work. Man, I've messed up too much. And so does anyone else do this in your life? You catastrophize everything. So like one thing becomes the next thing, which becomes the next thing. And then at the end, you're dead, right? And you're like, I'm going to die. And you're like, just praying to go back to sleep. And then you wake up at, I don't know what time you guys wake up, whatever time. Some of you noon, whatever. And you wake up and you go, man, that was silly. Why did I, why did I do that? that there's no way that's going to happen. Aliens aren't going to come here and blow up my house. I mean, what, what was I thinking? But how many of us know and, and realize that the enemy's a punk? And he's an opportunist. Some of us give the devil too much credit. We think he can do more than he can. But let me just tell you something. He's an opportunist. And he sees what you're going through and he knows what you're going through and he knows the storms in life and the storm may not be related to the inward storm that you're dealing with, but man, it all just piles on. So let me ask you in this room, are you going through something that no one else knows about? Doubts, worries, fear, anxiety, pressure. And you're just in this room today and you feel like, man, I I don't even see God right now because this storm that I am facing internally is unbelievable. And then you just turn on CNN or Fox News or whatever. All news that seems to be is bad news these days. And you're like, I'll never buy a house. Israel's going to get blown off the map. So is the Gaza Strip. And then there's going to be a nuclear war with this and all of this. And then China and then the dollar and then the mortgage rates and interest rates and houses aren't getting cheaper. And, and then I, everything is more expensive and the middle class is being crushed. And man, I, I'm not even middle class. I'm lower class. So what am I going to do? And how do I do this? And, and now my kids are fighting and now my wife and I are fighting. And now all of these things are happening. And man, and you're fighting and you're suffering in your life. See, because Jesus does something for us that so many of us are supposed to do. When Jesus faced the storm, he ran to God. That's what he did, right? Immediately he says, yep, John the Baptist is dead. This is a storm, but I've just fed these people, but I need a minute to go be with the father so that I can know the one and speak to the one who has all of these things in control and that I can be with him. Do I think that Jesus could have just been like, cool, I know the plan, so whatever? Yes, he could have done that. 
But he models for you and I something beautiful. Don't forget that Jesus goes to the mountain to be by himself, to seek God and to pray. He models for you and I exactly what we should do. In this next clip, we're going to see Peter's wife, Edith, suffering. That she's going through the same storm, but instead of going through the storm alone, she lets people in to the moment. And what happens in her life is God works in a mighty way because she runs to God. But we're going to see Peter does something completely opposite. So let's check out this next clip as we look at what it really means to run to God. What happens in the story is either does something that Peter won't. Peter's there serving and doing things, but he's looking at Jesus like Jesus is a stranger. But Edith, through the encouragement of others who came to her in her greatest storm in life that she had faced up until this point, encouraged her what? You have to run to God. You have to, in the middle of this storm, in the middle of what you are going through, you do not suffer alone. We run to the Lord. And then this rabbi gives her the words of God out of Psalm 77. But, I, you know, for so many of us, you, you may be in this storm. And I, I, what I love about this story and what they drew out of this story is, is what do you feel, what do you do when you don't know where God is? And I know, like, we know where he is, but you just feel like you can't find him. You feel like the storm that you are going through in this life is too much. I was watching uh, this guy. He, he, like, jet skis all around the world, and like, but he does, like, not tricks. He's, like, going down the Amazon and discovering things. And he's in this uh, moment off the coast of California. And he is jet skiing, and this fog rolls in off of the coast, and he finds himself in the middle of the ocean not knowing where land is. That this fog, this sea fog was so thick that he is talking and he was like, as he looks around and pans around the jet ski, he goes, I have no idea which way to go. The storm is too much in life. And he conveniently had his phone. So he's like, well, I'm just going to use maps and maps will show me where to go. I'm going to use maps and maps will show me where to go. But what do you do when it feels like you can't run to God because you don't know where he is anymore? You, you feel like the storm has surrounded you and the fog has set in and that you are in this place that you don't know what to do. That's what happens to so many of us because what happens to us is, is, is life gets so hard and, and the storms get so big and things go on that things become so unfamiliar and we just don't know where to go. We saw God on the mountaintop. We saw him feed the 5,000. We saw him clearly do a miracle in our life, but quickly we made our way down the mountain and now I am in a storm and the fog has set in and I do not know which way to go. That's where Peter finds himself. He doesn't know which way to go. I mean, he knows like God can do all of these things. But there's a difference between knowing God and seeking God, correct? Do you feel that way right now? You're like, yeah, I know, I know what the Bible says. I see what Jesus did. He ran to God. I don't know how to do that right now. I don't know how to get back. I don't know. This has overtaken me. It's overwhelmed me. And that's what the storms of life do. 
right? You can grow up your whole life and like you can quote to me a million verses and you can quote to me all of these things, but have you read the Bible and has the Bible read you? Do you know his voice and do you know how he speaks in the middle of a storm? So what we find ourselves in in this next clip, and, and we're moving quickly through these clips because the last one is long. Um, we're going to find the disciples where we found them in the story that they are in the boat. And this great storm has arisen. And they are rowing and rowing as much as they can to get to the seashore, to get to the other side. But how many of us know that sometimes when you're in a storm, you don't see things quite clearly? That, that when you're in a storm, the storm has a way of shaping your view of things. That's exactly where we're going to find ourselves because it feels like, man, I know I'm supposed to run to God, but I, I just don't know how to do that right now. Watch what happens in this next scene. You ever been there? These guys are experienced fishermen. They've been on this lake their whole life. And somehow this storm was so big. This storm was so much that the God they saw on the mountaintop became a ghost in the storm. We're talking hours have passed. Hours. They're probably still full from the leftovers that they ate. And here they are, these experienced men who have spent their life fishing, who have spent their life on this sea. And like you just saw Jesus feed 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish, it wouldn't be beyond the normal or something astounding to see him walking on water. The face that was so familiar to all the disciples just a few hours ago had turned into a ghost. And that's what happens for so many of us. You find yourself in a storm in life. You find yourself in this moment and, and you can't run to God because all of a sudden, because of the storm of life, that God has become a ghost to you. The Bible says, like even in this moment, that the, the disciples, let's read this, um, verse 26. We're just going to hunker down on one verse. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. So they're already scared. Life is already awful. Things are already happening. They can't get anywhere. And then the Bible says, and then they see him walking on the lake and they are terrified and what do they do? And they cried out in fear. They scream. Ah! Ah! You see that? What's that? I've never seen that on the lake before. This storm is bad. What am I going to do? That's a ghost. So now, hey, God, here I am. I'm already in a storm. Life is already hard. I already don't understand what to do. And now a ghost shows up. We're going to die. And we laugh now, but at the dark watch of the night, that's how you think, isn't it? Who are the ghosts that visit you at 3 a.m.? If you got real ghosts visiting you at 3 a.m., we got to have a conversation. <laughs> but for real, what worry is visiting you and knocking on your door at 3 a.m.? While you're suffering, while you're 
You're, you're, you're already went to sleep and it was already hard and you had a nightmare, you had a dream or you had this thing or this fear and it wakes you up at 3 a.m. because your brain needs you to process it again and it's like go show up in the middle of the storm. And you're like, I know I'm supposed to run to God, I just don't know where he is and now there's a ghost. What am I going to do? How do I get through this? And we, we all think like that the miracles that we see will sustain us for life. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 didn't sustain them for eight hours. And that's why like so many of us are like, God, show me a miracle, show me a miracle, show me a miracle. Because God knows the short shelf life of miracles for you and I. Right? Because to go from the top of the mountain to the bottom... We allow the storms of life to dictate what is actually happening in life. And so let me ask you a question. Are you allowing the storm that you are in to dictate who God is, or are you allowing God to dictate what the storm is? Those are very different approaches in this life. That's what happens to so many of us. I think it's happening culturally to us. Like we're allowing what's going on in life to describe for us and tell us who God is rather than God telling us what the storm is. And so where are you in your life right now? When you wake up at 3 a.m., are you allowing God to define the storm or are you allowing the storm to define God? And so what happens in this story as we get into this last clip is the disciples are freaking out. They are terrified. Don't you love that the Bible does this? That these are the best, like 12, and they're freaked out. They don't recognize God, and they just saw him heal and be with and help so many people. They walked with Jesus, and they walked with Jesus, and the storm still changed their sight. So can we just give ourselves a break in the room? You think, man, I shouldn't, I, my faith should be bigger than this. I should see things more clearly than this. I know the Bible. I memorized it when I was five years old. I know all of these things. How could I be doing this? These guys walked and lived with Jesus and they still did it. So don't allow the, the enemy of shame to come in and press you down to keep you in the prison of being in the storm. Can we just like release that and go, you know what? This seems to be something that we all suffer with, that we all deal with, that we are all, all suffering with right now. We all have that 3 a.m. wake up call. And so instead of like starting to feel shame about why don't I have this better or why don't I know this better, can we just let go of that pride of what our faith should be and walk to God with what we have? It may not be much, but we saw in the last story, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be much. And so as we enter this last clip, we're going to see how Jesus begins to redefine the storms of our life. Check it out. Matthew 14, verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. We don't know what to do when the storms of life are too much, when, when it is all too hard. Do you know what helped them see that it was really Jesus? 
It was his words. It was his word which spoke to them in the middle of the storm, which called them out to him. And the reality is, is whatever storm you find yourself in in life right now, maybe God's calling you just to get out of the boat. Just get out of the boat. Just get out of the boat. Follow his word as he speaks to you and calls you. And notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't say, storm, stop. Now get out. Jesus didn't look at them and say, hey, okay, I know this is, is, is a little crazy. So, stop. Okay, now it's a little calmer, just a little ripple. Get out of the boat. You know, it's in the middle of the storm, in the middle of terror, in the middle of fear, in the middle of not understanding that God's word called out to the disciples and said, it is I. And immediately go, okay, this might be Jesus. What is God calling out to you right now in the midst of your storm? In the midst of your worry, in the midst of your anxiety, in the midst, in the midst of your mess up, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your pain. And he is walking on the water towards you because here's the reality. For so many of us, we go, man, what am I supposed to do in this life? I, I, I don't know what to do. You need to get out of the boat. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't call the boat to the shore to him. Jesus went on the water to them. Because when you don't know how to run to God, God is coming to you. And you say, how? How is God coming to me? Right here. He's coming to you. Through his spirit, through his power, he's coming to you. He is asking you to open the book and step out in faith and, and see where he is and allow his word to begin to define what is going on. We don't know what to do. Then allow him to come to you. Allow him to walk towards you. Allow him to, to, in this life and in this moment, come to you and to speak to you. Did you notice that even the moment of walking out on faith, we think this is such a miracle. And I love that the scriptures are so clear that Peter wasn't superhuman. Because as he got out of the boat, we think, man, that's crazy. That's so good. That's cool. What big faith. And then what happens? The storm continued. And Jesus is standing there talking to him right in front of him. But how many of us know that the storm screams while God whispers? And so many of us, our heads are turned to and fro because of the storm that is around us. And we see the wind and we see the rain and we hear the thunder and the ground is quaking underneath us. And so all of a sudden our attention turns from him to the storm. You know, when you're seasick... There's a, there's a good analogy here for you and I. A couple of years ago, I was like really sick on a boat. We were out in the Gulf, deep sea fishing, and we had huge waves. And I don't get seasick, but I did. The storm got the best of me, and I wasn't going to get out of that boat. Let me just tell you that. And as I was like, you know, going to vomit a million times, uh, the guy who was the captain in the boat said, hey, I need you to do me a favor. And I was like, what favor do you need right now? And he's like, I need you to go to the front of the boat. And I need you to pull the anchor up by hand. And I was like, bro, I'm Chunkazilla right now. Like, I'm throwing up all over this place. You want me to hand pull up the anchor? He goes, yeah. 
And what I want you to do is instead of looking at the anchor, instead of looking at the waves, I want you to find the horizon. I want you to find the place where the sky meets the sea. And he's like, and then just pull up the anchor while you're looking at the horizon. And the moment that my eyes went from where I was to where I needed to be and who I needed to be with, the sea got calmer. And I got less sick and I survived. Why? Because I wasn't focused on the storm. I was focused on where I should be. Because like that was towards land, right? And that's towards like the land doesn't move in Florida. That's where I needed to be. I needed to focus on where and who I needed to be with rather than what was going on in my life right now. And the storm ceased in my life. I, got, I, I, I mean, honestly, within like five minutes, I didn't feel sick anymore. And he said, yeah, come back in. And you know what? We were still in the seas. The seas didn't calm. But every time I started to feel sick, I found the horizon. That's exactly what happens to Peter in the story. Look at what Matthew chapter 14 verse 30 says. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me immediately. Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when he had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Even when Peter didn't have the faith, even when Peter allowed the circumstance of life, even when, when all of us ha have these moments where it seems like life is overwhelming, here's the truth. When life is overwhelming, God can overwhelm our life. In the midst of the sinking, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the anxiety, as Peter sank, Jesus reached out to him. He cried out, and God reached out. And so, like, as we kind of, in this moment, like, begin to think about what storm, whatever storm you're in right now, what, what, where are you in this time? Are you allowing the storm to define who God is, or are you today going to allow God to define the storm? And when God begins to define the storm in your life, all of a sudden the storm is overwhelmed by him. And he's no longer a ghost. And when you begin to sink, because we all do, when our eyes move away from him and go towards the ocean or the sea or whatever it is in your life, maybe it's that pile of bills on the dinner room table that's waiting for you. Maybe it's that, those divorce papers you guys haven't signed yet. Maybe it's that medical diagnosis and you're supposed to call the office, but you're not. And you're wondering, where's God in all of this? And you don't know how to run to him right now, then allow God to run to you in his word, by his spirit, in truth. And then begin to allow God to define the storm and not the storm to define God. When I was a little kid, I don't know how old I was. I think I was four or five. My, this is a famous family story, okay? Um, I had to be four or five um, because my brother was a newborn baby. And um, my mom was downstairs um, 
and, and this story is not about her. It's about me, but I, I'm going to give you context. Um, and this is like a famous family story. And she went downstairs to feed my brother, right? Like bottle or whatever. She was downstairs feeding my brother. And I don't know if this happened, but this is the story. That my mom was feeding my brother, getting a bottle ready, and she let the dogs that they had at the time outside. And we live in like a really dark, woodsy neighborhood, okay? And the dogs were barking a lot, and then my mom like said like that she heard, I believe her because she was scared. She heard a man's voice say to the dogs, oh, calm down, little doggy. I'm not here to hurt you. Talk about a storm, right? Like all of a sudden, my mom, I remember this to this day. She screamed. She screamed loud. And I was like five. And I heard her scream. And you know what I didn't do? I didn't wait in bed to go, what's happening? You know what I did as soon as I heard my mom scream? I jumped my little body out of bed and ran as fast as I could across the house to my dad. I didn't wait for anything. I didn't wait to go, is there a person outside? What was that outside? Right, you know, was that your imagination? Is he a nice guy? Is he not a nice guy? Maybe he's just lost in the middle of the night. Who knows? All of a sudden, I was in a storm. Because when you hear your mom and your five scream like terror, you're terrified. And I got my little guns, and I ran, boom, gone. And I ran exactly to where I needed to be to my father. I got out of the boat, got out of my room, and I ran. That night, we ended up calling the police. The police came. We had to go down this outdoor balcony, down this outdoor staircase into our backyard, and the police sent in search dogs. I was five years old. But in that moment... I knew exactly where I needed to be. I needed to be with my dad because I didn't, need, I didn't need to have the storm defined. I didn't need to have all of the things. I just knew the one who could overwhelm what was overwhelming me. And so I just ran. Do you right now in your life just need to run to God? And you don't have all the answers yet. You don't know everything yet. You don't have all of it figured out. But you've heard the screaming in the night, the terror of the storm. And you just need to get out of bed. And you need to run to dad. Because that's where you're safe. But for so many of us, we know we need to run to dad. But we're like, but what if there's stuff in the way? Well, it's really dark in the house. I don't know the way. It's really hard to do all of these things. And when you can't run to him, he comes to you. And so right now, just in your life, I don't know where you find yourself. But all I know is that the word of God can calm the storm. Did you notice that Jesus didn't clap his hands? He didn't do anything else, but he spoke to it. Because there's power in the word of God. God created everything by his word. He rescues us by his word. He saves us by his word. His word is powerful and is what pierces the storm. And it helps you and I. And so let me ask you just in this room as we get ready to end this morning, how is God reaching out to you right now? Because you notice in that, that clip, I think it's so true, is that God reached down to grab Peter, but Peter needed to grab back. 
And some of us are sitting just under the surface in the worst storm of our life. And God's hand is reaching out to you, but you need to grab his hand. You need to, in faith, reach out and grab his hand and allow him to pull you out of this storm. That in faith, you would believe and know that he can rescue you, no matter what storm you find yourself in right now. Because there's nothing too big for him. Notice the storm that was going to kill them at the words of God crumbled. That's all. It, there's nothing spectacular. It just, it, the Bible doesn't even highlight it. It just said, he reached out his hand. You have little faith. Why have you done this? And when he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. He speaks to the storm and the storm disappears. It wasn't even hard. And so just understand whatever's overwhelming you, whatever's coming against you, whatever's turned God into a ghost in your life, for God it is not overwhelming. But it's in these moments that we learn to reach out in the hardest times of life, is it not? And so I don't know where you find yourself today and what you are, are dealing with today, but I am going to pray in just a second. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to pray over us in just a second. And just in a sign of surrender and reaching out to God, just with every eye closed and head bowed in this moment, I would just ask that you, if you need to reach out to God in this moment because God is reaching out to you through his word today, I just pray that in surrender and in reality that you would reach back out to him. Physically do it and that you would seek him. And so just with everybody, just head bowed, eyes closed in this moment. If you're in this room and you're going through a storm and God is reaching out to you through his word and his truth, but you need to reach back out to him today, would you just quickly just raise your hand in this room? All over this room, all over this room. You're not alone. You're not fighting this alone. And if you're fighting alone, it's time to get people in the game with you. But God sees you and he knows you. And he's reaching out to you through his spirit and his word. And so, Lord, I pray for every raised hand today. And, Lord, I pray for every hand that didn't go up because they're afraid you won't reach out. That, Lord, the storm is so deafening and so loud and so much that, Lord, they can't, they can't even muster the faith to raise their hand today. Lord, I pray that you reach down into their life, Lord, and you grab hold of them. And that, Lord, even as your word is proclaimed and taught today, Lord, that the storm is beginning to settle. And, Lord, what they thought was a ghost is you reaching out to them. So, God, I pray that you overwhelm everything that is overwhelming them and us. And, God, I just ask today for your peace, which surpasses all understanding, and that, Lord, if there is somebody in this room that they've never reached out to you in faith before, that you need them to overwhelm their sin and their shame and their death, that I pray today for the very first time they would reach out to you in faith. 
and that they would confess that you are Lord and that you lived for them and you died in their place and you brought their sin and their shame to the cross and it died in a grave and you rose again showing victory over sin and death and for the very first time in their life they would reach out to you for salvation. And your word promises that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are Lord and we trust and believe in the death that you died on our behalf and that you rose again that we will be saved and that we would turn from our sin and turn towards you and that we would run to you the rescuer of our souls so God we love you we thank you we know you're reaching out Lord help us to reach out in faith to you today We love you in Christ's name. And everyone said?